Uh, oh, one last thing before we get going. I wanted to, see, I even brought this to remind myself. If you'd like sermon notes for today, if that helps you, there's sermon notes on the back table. They look like this. Uh, there's some pens and pencils there as well if you want to grab them. Um, youth, I'd encourage you to grab them. Uh, yeah, it's a great way, it's a great way to, to help you kind of learn and flow with the message. All right, so this, this message sort of started, uh, I was, last week, I was in the book of Exodus uh, reading, and I was at the end of Exodus, and um, at the end of Exodus is a bunch of details about the priestly garments, and, and all the, the intricate details about what goes into the garments that the priests would wear, Aaron and the Levitical priesthood. And so I'm reading this one morning, and I'm sitting there, and it's like, to be honest, I'm going, this is feeling a little bit dry for me this morning, okay? I, that happens. You're in the words, and you're like, I, I'm not getting a lot out of this. And then I said, Lord, like, okay, I, I, I want to engage. Like, what do you have for me out of this? And, and I came to the end of Exodus 39, and there at the end of Exodus 39, it speaks of the engraving, the, the, the piece of gold that they engrave in it, holy to the Lord, and that piece goes into uh, the, the top, uh, they call it actually, the word says it's the turban. That word is in the Bible, folks. Uh, and it goes on the turban of the priest right before him. So it's on the front of him as he's ministering in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle before the Lord. Written on him is holy to the Lord. And it, it, it stopped me as I was reading this. And because that is all of us now. Do you know that? That's not just some select uh, elite group of people. That is us. The New Testament speaks of us, and I was drawn to that in 1 Peter 2, where it speaks of us being a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart for the Lord. And in light of Jesus' death and resurrection, this is where it comes up. It says that no longer is that just in a select group that goes into the temple. That's all of us. That's you. It's me. We are all, we are together. The Bible talks about us being the priesthood of believers. And like that, might, that might sound like kind of flowerly language, like the priesthood. But that's what the Bible talks about, that we are this people, basically, that we are called to minister before the Lord with our lives. This is who we are. And so Peter unpacks this for us, this, this incredible privilege and unbelievable honor we have of being ministers to the Lord with our lives. And uh, Peter, he, he unpacks this in 1 Peter 2, in his letter, and he says that we're being built together to be a royal priesthood. That's in 1 Peter 2.5. And then he expands that just a few verses later, where, what I said, where he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And so, title today is very simple. A chosen people. 
And, and I want to, I out of this, I want to impress upon you or have you think about how remarkable it is to be part of the people of God. Do, do, and and no, I'm not talking about this in an elitist, arrogant, egotistical sense at all, but out of reverence and awe. Do you know who you are? That, that, that it is absolutely remarkable what's happened. We are a new people. We are God's people. We're, we're his possession. Like, like we're, we are, there's an ownership that God says, these are my people. It says that you, we've been called out of darkness. Ephesians 2 talks about that, right? And, and we've been brought out of this future that was hopeless. No hope. Zero And you have been transferred into this kingdom of light. You've been made to be God's very own. And so this is that whole sort of, you know, in the Old Testament, read about the exile out of Egypt, right? God delivered his people out of Egypt. And it was astounding what he did in in that. Uh, Physically, what God did in bringing his people out of slavery was astounding. And, And yet it was really just a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to come to do and deliver us out of darkness. Bring us up. Bring us out. And so in that same way, in that similar way, God's revealing to us, like he did to his people in the desert, he's revealing to us, this is what it means to be my people. This is what it means to follow me. The same is true for us. And, and so again, not, not in any, please hear me, not in any prideful way, not in any way that would, that would separate us and, and make us feel like we're better than. But we are different. We are remarkably different. Not, not in any sort of elitist attitude. And, and, and like the Levitical priesthood, like the responsibility of the Levitical priesthood and that ministering before the Lord, actually being God's people comes with great responsibility and a realization of the holiness of God. And, and so this is what, what Peter's getting at. We're going to read this in a, in a couple of minutes here, but, but in, he's getting it in light of what we've received. And what, is it, what does he say we've received there? Mercy, deliverance, salvation, and who we have become. So out of what we've received and who we have become... And, and, and so we become God's chosen people. We become holy. We're, we're called to be his ministers. Out of that, who, what we've received, who we are. How do we live? What, what are the characteristics of these people? How do we live out of who we are? And, and these, these verses that we're going to read, they, they would tell us, and, and this, is, this is the thing that I just, like I've camped on this, we should respond and be seen in these days, folks, as remarkably different. Like remarkably different. People would look at the people of God and go, those people, I don't know what it is, but they're different. Why? Why? Because we have the same spirit living in us that raised stone-cold Jesus in the grave out. That spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, like dead, is living in you. 
<laughs> Seriously, I'm like, that's remarkable. I don't, I don't, like, I don't even want this to be showy. I, mm, it's not that. But we've been brought from spiritual death into glorious life. We, we are being transformed, or we are to be transformed like the one that we are called to follow. The living, the living, reigning Lord Jesus. Okay, enough preamble. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 to 17. Let's read this together. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had received mercy, but now, sorry, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governor's who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Jesus, I want to pray that we would we have a reverence before you this morning in your word. Jesus, these are your words. This is your word. We want to handle it and we want to respond to it the way that you're calling us to. Jesus, I pray that you'd keep my mouth from speaking things that are not of you. Lord, I pray that whatever is of Paul would just fall. Jesus, I pray that you, your glory, your holiness and who you are would just be revealed to us this morning in a new and fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I want to talk about three areas this morning that are, are, are being changed as a result of who we are and what we've received. And it has to do with our motivation, it has to do with our response, it has to do with our relationships. I want to talk about our motivation out of this. The motivation here is, that's being changed is to give witness uh, and also to do good. So to give witness that you would declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then twice Peter talks here about doing good. 
live such good lives among the pagans that even if you get accused of doing wrong, they see your good deeds, they glorify God on the day he visits us. And he, later he talks there a few verses down, but for it is God's will that by doing good, doing good that you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. This, this, is, the, kind of, this is a theme almost throughout these verses, really. And, and before the church in these days is a simple but profoundly important question that has massive implications for us. What shapes and directs our lives? Will it be the norms of culture, the commonly held values of a culture that is thoroughly materialistic and consumeristic? Will, will it be the algorithms of social media increasingly that are curated to your views and opinions and just feeding you what you want to hear? Will it be our family and our friends and, and their influences that are shaping them, that are shaping us as well? Or will it be the words of Scripture that shape and direct our lives? And I, I think that's a question right now. It's, it's always been before the church, but it seems to be elevated right now. Right? Whatever you listen to or whatever you scroll through, whatever it is, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Rebel News, CBC News, Jordan Peterson, National Post, Rabble, Fox News, Bridge City News, left, right, whatever, wherever you're at, whatever you listen to, whatever you scroll to, whatever's feeding your stream, will that be the thing? Because everything influences you, everything. Will that be what influences you? Or will we be people shaped and directed by the word? Immersed and saturated in these words. Because everything, everything has the potential to, receive, to deceive us. Everything has the potential to play to disordered desires in you as a result of sin that's at work within you and it feeds that and feeds it and feeds it and feeds it. So I want to I ask us, is our witness and our conduct important in these days? So I, I, I was, there was a video shared with me last week. It was uh, between a free press reporter and a family exchange in Winkler. There was a family of three in the video, older adult and an teen, older teenage son and his two parents. I, it seemed to be his two parents. The video begins actually with the teenage son swearing at the reporter, one word, and then, and then it goes on from there. And uh, the, uh, the reporter says to them, I I'm not doing anything illegal. And the woman, she's, she's standing with a very aggressive posture. This is on, in the middle of the street. She's standing with a, an aggressive posture like this. She says, you are. You're taking away our rights. He says, I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong. She says, you're a coward. He says, I'm doing what I've been asked to do by my employer. And the woman then, then immediately in that, her, her posture and her exchange, her, her, everything about her countenance changes. She says, are you a child of God? And I'm, I'm listening and I'm watching my whole boy. And she, he said, the reporter says, he says, explain that to me. What does that have to do with anything? She says, do you believe our debts are forgiven on the cross? That Jesus Christ died for our sins? 
And he says, I don't believe that has anything to do with this. Like, he's saying the situation. The woman says, it has absolutely to do with everything, she says. And her voice picks up and she says, freedom. Freedom of choice. And he says, you're correct. I have the freedom to stand here and take a picture of that building. She says, no, you don't. You're tattling. You're falsifying everything we stand for. She says, do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe he paid everything for us? And he says to her, he says, that's the great thing about freedom. I don't have to answer you. And then he's, at this point, he's walking away from her. And you hear her in the background saying, do you believe in God? You're such a coward. I watched that. I found it cringeworthy as a follower of Jesus. I, I was like, oh, I can't believe this happened. I was grieved by what it displayed. Having said that, having said that, folks, given the right circumstances, given the right emotions, we are all susceptible to that, what that happened with that woman. So I'm not like, I'm not like vilifying her. We are all susceptible to that. She felt like she was put in a corner. But how, I was asking myself, how was Jesus presented to that reporter? Because I looked him up, from what I can tell, he's not a follower of Jesus. It was aggressive, it was confrontational, it was angry, it was name-calling, it was shame. The whole conversation was misguided. The gospel reduced to perceived rights. And I, and I asked myself, how does this happen with people? People who claim to follow Jesus acting nothing like Jesus. We're called to declare the praises of God. That's, that's the calling we have. The one who rescued you out of darkness. We are called to declare his praises. We're, we're, we're called to live in such a way that we are known by the good that we do. Now, is the woman in the video frustrated because she feels her freedom is being taken away? Yeah, she's frustrated. And here before her is someone who represents this loss. Someone that she has perceived is responsible, at least partly, for what she feels she's lost. And so, attack. You know, you can see her, her frustration mount and it's, as the conversation continues. Like it's just, it's mounting, the frustration. It's very evident in the body language. And so begins our rationale for treating someone like that made in the image of God. What struck me the most about that video was that reporter needs Jesus. And how did he go away having met someone who claims to follow Jesus? What does he go away with from that exchange? Probably something along the lines of, I want nothing to do with those kind of Christians. He needs to see and meet people who are different because of Jesus. Radically different. People who respond 
and live with love and mercy and peace, the peace of Jesus just pouring out of them. Part of this, you know, has to do with our identity. Right? Where, where Peter urges us here, see yourselves as exiles or refugees on this earth. This isn't our home. This actually isn't our land. We're passing through this land. Yeah, I'm a citizen of Canada, but I am passing through. I am on my way to an eternal kingdom. That's, that's one of the tragic aspects, right, that we're seeing right now in the Ukraine is this invasion of another nation that is usurping the nationality of this other sovereign nation. Why? In the name of nationalism, in the name of Russian nationalism and the spread of it, we're going to stomp out the sovereignty of the Ukraine. We're, we're seeing a different rise of nationalism right now in Canada in another way. This, this, this thing, we've got to take back our country. There's an inherent danger, folks, in that for Christians, an inherent danger. We're exiles. We're refugees. That's ultimately how we're to regard ourselves. We're meant to see ourselves. You belong to a different kingdom with a very different set of values. It gives us kingdom perspective. We are here to reach and touch the lives of people. I am not here to extend the nationalism of Canada. I have no interest in that. I want to reach people with the hope of Jesus who is establishing another kingdom. I don't want to, I don't want to get immersed in partisan politics. And so we need to realize, Peter says here, you need to realize what we're up against. There is a war that is waging against your soul both externally and internally within you. There's a war that's, at, there's a war that's going on. It's not, it's not about other people. It's not about individuals. No, no. There's a war going on spiritually. And so the importance of knowing who you are, chosen people, God's possession, knowing who you are and what we are called to be in this world, crucial it's not a war against other people it's not a war against leaders it's not a war against any other individuals who are created in the image of God and need Jesus just like you and me this is about principalities and powers that who aim to break your allegiance to Jesus by any means possible by distraction, disillusionment, doubt, despair, distress, all those deeds, whatever way Satan wants to break your allegiance to Jesus. And so how we, how we live in response to this, either in obedience to Scripture, or we embrace this, this truth above all else. This is, these are the words that will guide and direct us not what culture is putting to us. And, and if it's something else, that if this isn't directing you day in and day out, week in and week out, and something else is beginning, other ideologies are beginning to take your heart and your mind and your soul, what is that doing to the trajectory of your life? What's that doing to the trajectory of your soul?
Rather, though, rather, this is what Peter's saying here, what the Lord's saying to us. How can we live in such a way that witnesses to Jesus' goodness in our lives and then seek to live out of that goodness amidst this world? Okay, that's the first area, our motivation. Second area being changed as a result of who we are and what we've received, our response. Verse 13 to 16, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Okay. This, these verses are a hornet's nest, aren't they? <laughs> right now, let's just be honest. This is like, woo! This is like, this is getting real. Is this what the word says? This is a hornet's nest. Are you really going to venture in there, Paul? Ultimately, our response in these days is about submission to the Lord and submission to others. Living with a posture of submission for the Lord's sake. Now, yeah, there's extremes on both sides right now. Like crazy extremes. Do we want to talk about our prime minister? Do we want to talk about some of his actions? Do we want to talk about how we feel about that? Right? Like, I mean, it's, it's right at the surface with people. I know that. And, and I recognize there's, there's things that have happened lately that I'm like, I can't, like, really, you didn't have to let it get to that point. Just like, like Ron said to me this week in the car, he's like, you know, just a little bit of humility on, on, from our prime minister would go a long way. All that to say, we, we are experiencing deep polarization. Right? Like the situation that we're in right now, it didn't need to get to this point. It didn't. But it has. And, and I, like I realize there's, there's hundreds of perspectives. I, and I, I want to avoid that. I'm not, that's not where I'm looking to get into this morning. But our, our leaders need to, I, I would say yes, we would, should ask. And, and I, I would want an expectation of the leaders would lead with humility and with mercy, not strong arm tactics. But depending on where we feel ourselves uh, about ourselves, like where we're at on the political spectrum, we, we want to start pulling apart these verses and justifying our positions. We're, you're probably already doing that right now. When we've read this twice now this morning. I'm sure you're pulling this and you're looking, and you're starting to like internally justify your positions on what you do, why you do it, and how you align it with this. And, 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 I, and I'm back to the same question then. Will the word shape and direct my life, recognizing that the word cuts across my will? It cuts across your will. It will. So back in the day of overhead projectors, how many of us remember overhead projectors? Probably had one in here, right? And, and I remember sometimes in school where you'd put one sheet on, and then if you're like doing a graph exercise or something, they'd put another sheet overlaid on top 
that had markings for a graph, and then if you wanted to show something else, you'd put another sheet on, and you'd overlay it, right? Well, I, want, I wonder if we do that in a similar way with our views, our desires, our values, our opinions. We, we overlay them on top of this. And we're reading. We are. You are. You're, you're reading with your perceived opinions in, on this. Th- this is how I think it should be. And so I'm going to interpret the text based on how I think it should be. And so we need, we need perspective. We need context. We need perspective. Peter is writing this during the Roman Empire, specifically during the reign of Emperor Nero. Any of you know about Nero? He was a bad dude. He was not good. He was regarded as a tyrant, regarded as extremely self-absorbed by the historians that have written about him. He had one, his mother killed. He had one of his wives killed. He had his brother, uh, stepbrother killed. He had other family members killed. Uh, in the year 64, there was a huge fire that, that raged through Rome. There's some thought that he actually might have purposely started it to kind of just create this whole dramatic thing around him. Whatever the case is, in response, he, the persecution against Christians became severe. He had them thrown to the wild beasts. He had Christians crucified. He had them burned alive. I mean, burned alive, folks. He had, it's regarded that he probably was the one who had Peter and Paul executed. It's during this time that Peter writes these words. That's the emperor. That emperor. Like if you go, how could he write that? How could he urge people to submit to such an emperor? And that's where it's an issue of freedom, but not in the way that the lady in Winkler has been led to believe. And maybe some of us. When we are free in Christ, when we have experienced freedom in Christ, we are free to submit and surrender ourselves for Jesus' sake. We live out of the conviction that our obedience serves God's purposes because ultimately this is about our lives pointing to him and not ourselves. And the acceptance that God has placed leaders in their positions. God has placed our leaders over us, folks. It says that clearly. Romans 13 says it really clearly. This is about us, us, becoming more and more like Jesus and modeling his character in our submission and in our willingness to serve others. So if as Christians, we are promoting all sorts of behavior and conduct towards leaders that is not in alignment with these words, and in other words in the New Testament, Romans 13, 1 Timothy 2, then perhaps we need to consider what is actually directing my life. Now, I know, I've heard this argument, the argument that, well, you know, at times Jesus, Peter, and Paul all opposed the authorities at different times in the New Testament. Well, it's hard actually to make that case for Jesus. Really hard, actually. He didn't. He really actually submitted at every turn to the point of death. Peter and Paul, yes, they did. But you know why they opposed the authorities? Very clearly. 
They opposed them because they were being stopped from publicly preaching the gospel and that or where they were stopped from publicly preaching the gospel. That's it. That is the only time they opposed the authorities. It's the only time that they appealed to their rights. It's the only time that they spoke up is when it was distinctly about preaching the gospel. It wasn't about rights. It wasn't about mandates or any other reason to oppose the government. They only stood up when their ability to publicly proclaim the gospel was opposed. Now, if, if we get to that point in Canada, that's a very different conversation. Very different conversation. But we're not there. Folks, we're not there. The only hindrance right now, the only hindrance to the gospel being preached in our nation is ourselves. There is no hindrance. You can go out on the street and you can proclaim Jesus. You can preach, you can pray for people. Gene and his team did it this week. Went and prayed, preached, shared the hope of Jesus with people. You know, during, during the lives of Jesus and Peter, well, and Paul, but there, there was... There were significant resistant movements actually at work in the Roman Empire in the first century. There was, there was the, the history of the Maccabean revolts. And out of these Maccabean revolts that had happened previously, there was these, these groups of zealots that had formed militias, if you will, or other groups that were basically intent on taking down the government. We are going to replace the Romans. We're going to get them out of here. And Jesus has nothing to do with it. The entire time he's on this earth, he has nothing to do with that. In fact, the only thing he does is he calls one of those zealots into his 12. And he says, you're going to live a very different way. He doesn't, he doesn't at all get wrapped up with any of those resistance movements. Now, hear me. The, the People wanted to anoint Jesus as king, right? If Jesus had said, hey, if he, if he had announced, saying, I am going to put together a convoy... And we're going to march this convoy to Rome, get behind me, and we are going to take down the Romans. You know what? He would have had massive support. You want to talk about popularity? Jesus never would have been more popular if he had led that convoy to Rome. They wanted him to. His disciples wanted him to. When are you going to, when are you going to do this, Jesus? When are you going to take down the Romans? That's not my kingdom. I'm not here for that. Yes, Jesus is coming back in power. Yes, he's coming back to establish his kingdom on this earth. Yes, but, but in the meantime, we are called to humbly follow his example of surrender, laying down our lives for the sake of others to the point of death. I get it. This is, this, is, this is against everything in our culture. Everything. This is, like, this is not even, this is against what many people in the evangelical culture have embraced. There's a prevailing view right now in our culture. You do you, I'll do me. I, I've heard that statement so many times. Out of the mouths of Christians, and I'm like, what? You do you, I'll do me. This, this prevailing view of, of Western freedom that we've embraced, 
And, and it's on all sides, folks. That's the thing. It's, just, it's manifested differently on the left and it's manifested differently on the right. But it's the same spirit. You do you, I'll do me. Is that posture faithful to Jesus and his word? As free people in Christ, we see ourselves as slaves to God. It's not a freedom to be used to cover our own selfish motivations and desires, which are sinful. So Peter's saying there, don't use your freedom as a cover-up to do what you want to do. That, that's, that is not biblical freedom. Biblical freedom is embracing all that I have and all that I am belong to Jesus. And therefore, I am called to total obedience to his word. And the government can never take away my freedom. Ever. The government can't take away that freedom, folks. Ever. I'm free. That's how Peter saw it. That's how Paul saw it. That's how Jesus saw it. He says to Pontius Pilate, you can't do anything that God doesn't allow you to do. I'll submit to you. Why? Because I know. My father is in charge. It hasn't changed, folks. It hasn't changed. And so whether I agree or like certain rules, laws, mandates, etc., whatever, my obedience to them is actually obedience to Christ. Unless it's, unless it's an issue where I am not allowed to share or publicly live out the gospel. Okay, now that's, that's an important distinction. If you tell me you can't have unvaccinated people in your home because this is what we say, I say, no, that's not the gospel. The gospel does not segregate. Okay. So unless it's something like that, where I can't live out the gospel or preach the gospel, my call, is, my call, our call is to obey the authority God has placed over me. Just, just you know, very quickly, I, I know time, I, yeah, no. I, I grew up in a home that opposed human authority on many levels. That, that was the, the, the fishbowl I swam in for my life. We just, we just did not submit to authority on every level. And I learned to walk in resistance. Brought a ton of pain in my life. And I've had to walk through that a lot. I've had to surrender my will. I've had to receive healing for that. It continues. Right? It continues. What we've been brought up, we have to walk through that. And even when I fail, I am convinced the way of Jesus, humility, and surrender is the way. Is it hard? Absolutely. Have I, have I had a journey these last two years of how do you walk out authority to the government in the midst of all this? Absolutely. But it's about surrendering to Christ. It's like the Mandalorian says, this is the way. This is the way. Can I also say, like, and I think this is really important for us to, to contemplate and, to, and to, to pray into, but Christians in Canada right now aren't viewed well, folks. 
evangelical Christians are not viewed well. And it's, you know, to say, ah, I don't care. I don't care what other people think about me. That's, that's not what Jesus calls us to. I, I actually can't do that. I can't say, screw them, it doesn't matter. Uh, I have to say, I'm called to be a witness. I'm called to do good. I'm called to live in such a way that people would say, I want what those people have. Folks, we got to wrestle with that. It says in verse 17 that regardless, regardless, we are to show proper respect and even honor to our prime minister. Yes, you are called to show respect and honor to our prime minister. Do, and, and this is, I mean, I, I have to ask this myself too. Do I talk more about Justin Trudeau than I pray for him? If I do, that's a problem. Very quickly to end, and I, I, I don't have a lot here. kind of knew that we'd get to this point, but the third area being changed as a result of who we are and what we've received is our relationships. Verse 17 says, Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So I'm, I'm just going to very briefly touch on this. this. This is about our love for the church. Love for others, love for other believers is walked out within a specific community of, of people. You know why? Love requires others. Who's, whose image are you being formed into? Whose image are you, are you to be formed into? Who? Jesus, right? And, and, and the, Jesus, it wasn't about himself. Commu- a community of love requires other people. Robert Mulholland, he, was this, uh, he wrote books on spiritual disciplines. He talked about how our spiritual formation ultimately is for the sake of others, actually. It's, it's woven into the very fabric of God's relationship with his people. It's, it's woven into the family of God. Now, okay, reality is we don't, we don't do this well. In a culture of consumerism, where it's more about my preferences more than anything else, Right, magnified through COVID, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be part of of a group that that's is my preferences. I, I want it to be about me. Recognizing that's that's the challenge we've got. And okay, in the midst of all this, right, and and this is a powder keg this morning a little bit. There's a this is a bit of a powder keg, right? And and so we're we're faced with these different convictions that we have that we are deeply passionate about, right? How do we have difficult conversations about our perspectives without judging or objectifying one another? Ooh. That's the tough part. How do we love the family of believers in the midst of this? Like, really, like, really love one another. Like, I'm not talking, like, like lip service. Like, really love. Like, maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace kind of love. So I want to pull back, in a sense, and just as we end here, consider the whole of these verses. In light of who we are, in light of what we've received, how, how do we respond to this? How do, how do we live this out? And, and the answer's uh, earlier in 1 Peter 2. 
It, the answers are proximity to Jesus. It's as we come to Jesus, talks about him being the living stone, as we put our trust in him, as we are built into his foundation, as we are made to be that priesthood of believers, as we are built up together, we, we are built into this temple to serve him. It speaks of that here. It speaks about that in Ephesians 2, too, right? It's, it's this, it's proximity. It's really, it sounds simple, but it's profound. This is all about proximity to Jesus. Draw close to Jesus. Put your trust in him. He's got you. And it's surrender, right? That, that, that whole process is surrender. The whole coming to Jesus is surrender. It's, it's I'm laying down my rights. I'm laying down my life. I'm laying down all that. I, Jesus, I, I, I need to surrender to you. And I'm trusting you with my life. So I got five questions. They'll be on the screen behind me. Some application to help us this week. Number one is, how will I live this week faithful to Jesus and his kingdom? Is my life a witness to the way of Jesus or another way? Three, how do I, how do I feel about submission to human authority in my life? Are there, other er are there areas that I need healing in this? Four, how can I grow in love and compassion for others in the church? And five, how can I pursue unity within the church? Why don't we pray together? Jen, if you want to come up. Jesus, we need your help. In ourselves, in our flesh, in our histories, in our emotions, and all the things that impact us and all the things that weigh on us and all the things that influence us, Lord, we need your help. We are a needy people. We, we, we cannot do this in ourselves. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need your to empower us and to live and to be within us. Jesus, help us in these days. Help us to be faithful to your word. To have your word guide and direct us above all else. And Jesus, help us. I pray that you'd help us where we're struggling, where things are weighing on us, Lord, and it feels heavy, and it feels hopeless, and it feels just a lot of different emotions. God, would you minister to us in these days? Would you minister your comfort? Would you minister your grace? Would you minister your shalom on us? In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.